Uh, this afternoon, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of purpose and significance of the engagement. And uh, we've been looking at a whole series on uh, courtship and preparation for marriage and all that within the context of marriage. So that's what this topic is about this afternoon, something within that framework. So we're just going to pray and ask that the Lord would bless his word as we approach it this afternoon. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you order our lives. There's nothing about us that you're not interested in. And you have a plan for us, a plan for good, to give us a future and a hope and an expected end. And I just thank you, Lord God, for all the provisions that you have made available to us through your word. As we study this subject this afternoon, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will breathe on your word, make it a, a word of life to us. And especially, Lord God, I pray for people here who are contemplating marriage or waiting for marriage, Lord God. I know you have a, a plan for good for their lives. And I pray, Lord God, that you align hearts to your will. Lord God, that in your time and in your way, that you would outwork that which you have purposed for each one, that your name may be glorified in their lives, and that, Lord God, that which you've planned for them, they may enter fully into their destiny, that your name may be glorified. We give you praise, we give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, hallelujah. <clears throat> well, when we speak about engagement, we're talking about an engagement that precedes marriage. So I'm going to say a few words about uh, uh, marriage itself. Uh, uh, and, and then I'm going to be looking at the significance of the engagement, uh, its purpose, and the implications for, the, for action by the people involved. Um, marriage I would say is a kind of a living parable or a model of the relationship that God has with his people, with the church. And in the Old Testament, we find that very often in talking about Israel or talking about the chosen people, God is often using metaphors that evoke marriage. Uh, uh, and he speaks in terms of the covenant. He speaks in terms of the commitment. He speaks in terms of the of faithfulness and the care. He speaks in terms of the purity and the unity. Those are the kinds of uh, images that are used when God is talking about his relationship with the church. And they're all themes that are drawn within the, that, that can be drawn within the context of marriage. And in, in the New Testament, particularly the the passage in Ephesians chapter 5 from verses 21 to 31, which uh, for me is a core reference when we're talking about marriage. Paul writes about marriage and in the same breath is speaking about Christ and the church and then he's talking about the husband and wife and then again, you know, the, the images are so interwoven that sometimes you don't even know where he stopped talking about church, the church and Christ and he's talking about the husband and the wife because the, 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 the union 
between the, the couple is almost as mystical as the union of Christ with the church. It's, this is significant because it is within marriage that one can fully outwork the tenets of the Christian faith. You know, all that God has endowed you with as a Christian, you have the paramount opportunity to live it out within the context of marriage. You know, God, God has given us grace to, to live lives that are victorious. He's given us the grace to be his representatives on earth. And within the context of marriage, you have the opportunities, you have the challenges, you have the, 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 the tests that can confront you as a Christian. You can have it fully within marriage. And, but, but God gives us the grace to, to outwork our, our lives in full dependence upon him. Because, you know, through difficult times, God gives us the grace. And within marriage, God enables you to put up with the idiosyncrasies of your, of, your, of your marriage partner. And you continue to live and relate and love and relate with them without any nastiness. You have the capacity to forgive. You know, you know Jesus said to, to Peter that he, he needed to forgive 70 times, seven times. We, we, you know, we don't interact with each other, you know, as friends or even as uh, colleagues long enough to offend each other 70 times, seven times. But within marriage, you're with each other 24-7, and so the opportunities abound for you to, to really exercise your forgiveness. And, and you know, you have the opportunity also, you know, you have the ability to give and continue giving, you know, to, without counting the cost, without looking for anything in return, the, the opportunity to serve one another. All that God wants us to be as his children you have the, the chance to do it within marriage and to, to really give yourself unselfishly, showing considerations to others and, you know, doing to others as you want to be done to you, supporting one another and helping each other. All of that you see happen within marriage. So uh, in, in marriage, I say you have the opportunity to have your faith fully stretched, have your faith tested. And, and you have the, the opportunity also to wholly rely on God and see the power of God made manifest in your life. And, and whatever de deficiencies you may have, you have the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit being made available to you so that you can obey God fully and you can honor him and, and walk within his, his precepts. So I, I would actually say your ability to honor God in, in fulfilling your Christian marriage commitments is a barometer of, of your, your faith and commitment to God. So that's the background, um, uh, uh, the, the backdrop to which uh, this topic comes. Um, and the, it, it assumes that marriage is a two-stage two event. And I believe that in most cultures of the world, you find that the, the most cultures, they would usually have a, 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 an, a, something like an engagement. They may not call it engagement, but it would be something which would be a, a time that has been set apart where the, 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 the man chooses his bride and, and he marks that bride for marriage. And in, in, in biblical times, 
It's the betrothal uh, uh, is, is a recognized ceremony. We have a lot of references to it in the Bible. I just quote a few. In Deuteronomy 20, verse 7, it talks about um, if there's a, a man who's betrothed to a woman and has not married her, let him go and return to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man marry her. So you see that there's a stage of being betrothed, and then there's a stage of being married. In Matthew, when we look at the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, it talks, in verse 18, it talks about the, that after, it said, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. So there is the, the betrothal, the, the, what we call the engagement, is, is an event that happens before the couple actually comes together in, in, in marriage. So what is the significance? I'm going to be looking at four elements within the significance of, um, of, of the engagement. And I'll look at the covenant and a, and a commitment. Two, the setting apart. And three, the aspect of being chosen. And four, the recognition. You see... Um, the, 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 the marriage itself is a covenant. And when, you, when, the, when the engagement takes place, you're entering into the beginnings of the covenant. And it's, you're, you're making a declaration and declaring your, your intent to marry the other party. So... It's an acceptance of responsibility to cover and to begin to put it in effect, actually, the, all the commitments of marriage that we talk about in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 31. You know, in, in olden times, when people broke a covenant, well, well, rather, well, rather, when people made a covenant with each other, there was usually uh, a, a symbol that they would they would bring into play, uh, they, would cut each, they would cut themselves on their, on their hand. Some, one, like it would usually be a, a, a covenant between two families. A representative of one family would come, to, uh, and then the representative of the second family would come, and the two of them would come, and they would do what they call mixed blood. So they would cut each other, they would cut themselves on, the, on, the, on, the, on one finger, the other party would cut themselves on the other finger, and then they would put the blood together, and, and that way they kind of bind themselves to each other until death, because they've mingled their blood. But over time, nobody was prepared to cut their fingers anymore, so, <laughs> so they, 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 they started wearing a ring, um, and, and the ring itself is it's a sign of the unending love that, that God has for us. And it, it, it symbolizes the unending love that a man and a woman pledge to each other. Now, we're talking about love in, in its pure sense, the agape love of God. We're not talking of eros or, you know, because people talk about falling in love. And you know, you know very well that if you can fall in love, you can also fall out of love. We're talking about the love, which is a choice. So you're choosing to love somebody. 
One of my favorite songs is an Easter song. Uh, my song is Love Unknown, My Savior's Love to Me. Love to the loveless shown that he might lovely be. You know, the, the love of God for us, it was, is, it, God did not choose to love us because we were lovely or because we were wonderful or because we were so expert, we were so um, uh, intelligent. God chose to love us because, he, because of who he is. And therefore, between couples, the, the, the love that, that exists between a husband and wife is not, it's not a love that is based on what you see or, what the, or what, you can, what the other party can do for you. It's a love that's based on the choice that you have made and on the covenant that you are making with the other party to be with them and to, and to, and to be in that relationship with them and to a love that serves, a love that gives, a love that doesn't count the cost. And that's why, you know, when, when, when come together like that, you know, you, you, they, 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 they seal their covenant with a ring. And um, so they, they, they usually when, when people uh, go, get into engagements, they, 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 the, the man would give a ring to the woman to signify that we have, I have made this commitment with you. And any time she, anytime she wears a ring and people see her wearing the ring, they know that she's spoken for and, and, and she's, not, um, she's not available anymore. This brings me to, to my second point of the significance of, uh, of the engagement. And that is the aspect of being set apart, of being, of being like it were reserved. I remember when we were doing the encounter, the early days, I don't know whether we still use those terms now, but the, the, uh, the teachings we were using for the encounter in those days, there was one bit where, where we talk about what Jesus Christ had done for us on the cross of Calvary. We talk about being redeemed, and we use the term agorazo. How many people remember when we, we did those teachings? Before your time. <laughs> Um, agorazo is a Greek word that means redeemed. But there's the other word, exagorazo, which, which is a stronger word, and it means not just redeemed, but bought out. And I remember in those days when we were doing the encounter, uh, Amanda, with the women's encounter, Amanda would use the imagery of somebody going to Sainsbury's and, and going to the shops and just picking up goods to buy, you know, pick up your tomatoes, pick up your, 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 uh, your lettuce, and, and so on and so forth. And there may just be the one, one can of peanut butter, and you just pick it up and put it in your, in your basket. Now, the, 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 the uh, imagery that was presented was that maybe somebody else wanted a can of uh, peanut butter, but there's no, more, there's no more peanut butter on the shelf, and there's just the one left in your, in your trolley, said somebody cannot now go into your trolley and pick out your peanut butter because you're already taking it off the shelf. It's, 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 already, it's already been, been, it, it's been bought out. It's been taken out. It's no, no longer available. And in a way, this is what happens when a man pledges himself in, in engagement to a woman He's taking her out of, uh, of, of uh, as it were, the availability list. She's no longer on the shelf. And it's funny because they actually talk about women being on the shelf, you know. 
but, but she's no longer available. She's been taken out. She's, 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 been, she's been taken apart. She's been, she's been set apart so that he'll be for him. And, and that, that notion of, of being set apart is, is very, very significant in, uh, in, in an engagement. Thirdly, um, the, the, you, the, there's aspect of being chosen. You know, among possible contenders, you know, that person, that, that particular person has been chosen. The man has been chosen. The woman, when the woman agrees, she chooses the man also. And then the man, man takes her out. He chooses her. You know, in, in my language, they, they say 201 men will be the husband, you know, are possible contenders for the hand of a woman. But it's the one on top of the 200 that is her husband. So there are so many suitors that are available, but there's just the one that is meant for you. So you are chosen. Well, so when, when somebody is engaged, they have been specially, there's an, there's an election there. They have been specialized, out, they've been specialed out, they, they're unique. Uh, and, and it reminds one also of how God has chosen us. You know, we've been chosen. We're, we're not just anybody. God, God has, chose, has chosen to put his love upon us. In the same way, a man chooses to put his love on a particular woman and decides to, to, to engage her in preparation for marriage. And finally, it's a recognition. You know, uh, it, it's, it's a recognition between, before family and before others that, Yes, you may have seen me talking to this woman. You may have seen, seen us together. But now, this is official. This is for real. We are going somewhere. We are going places. You know, it's like a, a public announcement. Let it be known to all that whatever aspirations other people may have, this, this woman is now mine and this man is now mine. It, it, it's, it's a, as it were, we're very well, you know, uh, uh, noted for everybody to see, you know, um, and when, when you look at the, the way the Bible talks about espousal, it is something that, that actually the people need to know, and, and people, people the, the woman is usually identified by who she's been engaged to. When, when um, Mary was found with child, the Bible says in Luke one twenty seven. Uh, when we're talking about, um, about Jesus uh, coming through Mary, the Bible says, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Mary, although they were not married yet, they were not together, she was already being identified with Joseph because they had been publicly recognized as engaged, an engaged couple. And fifthly, it's a family affair. It's not an engagement. And I know that in modern times, and, and, and I, 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 let, me not, let me not use any sectarian kind of language, but let me just say generally that in modern times, the tendency is for the man to uh, take the girl out on a dinner date, and then, you know, when the music is soft or something, <laughs> then, you know, bring out a packet from his pocket and, and then kneel down and, and then, you know, give her a ring. But as a matter of fact, 
the engagement is a family affair. Because even though there's the two of you that are getting married, and in a way, you're going to be living with each other. But how many of you know that you don't just marry a man? You marry his family, you marry his parents, you marry his brothers and sisters, you marry their cousins, you know, because, what, you know, they're going to be influencing your life. And, and it's the same way, you know, they say, you, you, have to, you have to love him and what and all. And this, the other way around also, a man, you don't, don't just marry a woman, you know, you, you have to take into consideration all of the, 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 the family uh, 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 um, context. It's true that you're supposed to cut off links and so on, but at the same time, the, the family is looking out and see what you're doing, and they want to know that you're not ill-treating their family member. So... The, in, the, in the process of getting a wife or a man or, uh, and, and a man and a woman getting together, fam families are usually involved. Uh, they're usually involved in the choice and in their arrangements. When you think about the story of Isaac and Rebecca, uh, Abraham sent his servant to go and find out from, the, from his family whether uh, they could send, send a wife for, Rebecca, for Isaac. Jacob was in the same family, and uh, he, he negotiated with his future father-in-law about getting a wife, and he got not just one wife, he got two, in fact, he got four. Glory to God. <laughs> David and Michael, my, David, David was approached by Saul to marry his daughter, and in the event, he gave the daughter to somebody else because he wasn't too pleased with David. And after the death of, David, of, of Saul, and the people wanted to bring David back as king, David sent a message to Ishbosheth, the brother of Michael, to say, you know, the only condition I'm going to be talking to you guys is you bring back my wife. So, you know, it's a family affair. You cannot pretend that the family is not involved. You know, the story of Boaz and, um, and Ruth, Naomi negotiated uh, and, and helped Ruth to, to get married to Boaz, Judah's son, uh, Tamar, and so on and so on. There's also the, the laws of inheritance, you know, in the, Jew, in the Jewish culture, when, when somebody dies, when a man dies in a family, his wife becomes a responsibility of the family, and it's up to them to help to put, give her a, wife, a husband within that family to raise children for the, dead, for the dead son. And I know that there are other cultures in the world where the woman, the widow, is not left on her own. The family caters for her. So Engagements are a family affair, whatever else we try to do in modern times. And I would say finally that for a man to engage a woman, for me, the, the significance is the expression of, of true manhood. I think it's a waste of time to take a girl out and continue to have coffee and, have, and take them out and go and, and, have, and watch a film and, and speak to them on the phone and, and so on. If you're not man enough, eventually, if you can take a girl out 
to have tea and be seen to have tea and coffee with her. You can, you can, be, you can also be seen to marry her. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you know, if, if you're not, if you're, you don't think you can take, you, can, you don't think you can marry a girl, you have no business being out with her and having tea and coffee and having a drink or, 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 or taking her to a restaurant or what, whatever else you, you take her to. You know, cut it out. You know, the, the, the Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousal and in the day of the gladness of his heart. You know, it's important for a man to declare his purpose and not forever string the other party along. Is he, is, he, is he interested or is he not? Is he going to ask me or is he not going to ask me? You know, forever. You know, make up your mind or, or, or mind your other mates, I would say. You know, it, 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 this verse tells me that a man is really crowned the day he makes up his mind and chooses a wife that is going to marry and engages her. That's what, that's what the, the Bible is saying here, that you're, 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 you're crowned with a crown on the day of your engagement, and then your heart will be glad. Let me speak to the men in the house. Really make your hearts glad. Go, go for that girl that's been on your heart all this time. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't, don't, why do you want to delay your blessing? Just go for it. We, we are waiting, we, we are ready to perform wedding ceremonies, and um, if we have to do one every, every, every week, so be it, or, or, or two a week, you know, in fact, we, we've done three before here in this church, so it's not such a big deal. So what's the purpose of having an engagement? Because, you know, you have an engagement, and you do have to wait a period of time, usually it's a, about a year. In, in, in times past, but I know that it's been reduced in many cases, could be three months, but why do you need to have a waiting time? Why don't you just go? You've already known who it is you want to marry. There's a number of reasons, there's a number of things that, that are necessary and the purpose of, of the engagement. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of consecration. It's also a time of transition. You see, um, it is more important that you prepare yourself spiritually for marriage than, than preparing for the wedding. The wedding itself lasts, um, it's only a one-day affair in most cases. I know that some people who celebrate over seven days, but the actual ceremony and, and festivities you know, the facilities may go on for a long time, but the actual ceremonies and, and, and uh, rejoicing to start with would only last a day. And, and compare that time with your lifetime together, 50, 60 years, if the, if the Lord allows you. You know, and what I usually tell couples when I, when I do uh, premarital counseling, I tell them, I say, look, you know, you're, you're better off help, letting other people help you with the physical arrangements, uh, you know, what needs to be done and so on, you concentrate on, the, on your spiritual development and, and you're on the preparation of your heart 
for marriage because you are going into a state you have never been before. And it's, it's, a, it's a new country. Are there married couples in the house here? Do you, are you in agreement? <laughs> You're going into a new country. There are other laws that operate there you do not know anything about. And you do need to prepare. And, and therefore, the, the, I would say there is a preparatory study that you need to do. And I, I usually recommend for that couples would, would study uh, good Christian books that would allow you to interact with, with the, your future partner and, and learn as much as you can, as well as, you know, uh, uh, preparing for your life together. And, you know, the, the counseling, it's important that the, the, the couple be counseled together, but also individually, because there's a learning curve. You've never been this way before, so there are things you need to, to plan for, to, to translate your dreams uh, and visions into goals and achievements. You know, sometimes, you know, you have a lot of people, young people, you have ideas in your head, you have things you dream about, you know. I, I mean, when you speak to young people planning to get married, you think they, they must be living on Mars or, or some other planet, you know. Uh, but so, so the, the, the time of the engagement is an opportunity to really ground yourself on the Ontario farmer and, and concretely think of what, how these things that you are dreamt about would translate. There are people who dream of having 10 children. It's, it's during the time of this preparation that you can you realize that, as a matter of fact, having a 10 children, having 10 children may have been a lovely dream, but how would you translate it into reality? Because if you live in a two-bedroom house, it, to sleep, sleeping, all of you sleeping together would be a difficult thing, let alone the finances that you would need to make that a reality. You know, so those are the times that you can, you can share together, talk about your own ideas about finances and, and how, you, how you plan your, your, your budget. Also communicating, you know, communicating with each other, re resolving conflicts and where you're going to be living, your vision for the future, vision for your children, your education, your career, your ministry, your devotional time, your faith, your ministry involvement your worldview, even sharing with each other about your family backgrounds, where you've been. You know, the, the, this time allows you to, to learn. You, you learn to prepare for your future home. Uh, the, th secondly, the, the, the purpose of, uh, of engagement, it's, it's a time of consecration. This is a time where, where you consecrate yourself and you reserve yourself for that one person that God has called you to. <clears throat> so you make yourself the best that you can be for them. You learn all you can. It, you know, the, you see, the thing is that um, being married to somebody means sharing their life together with them. Uh, you're going to be making a, 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 a vow to be with them for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, uh, 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 until death do you part. So it means that you're going to be sharing everything with them. So it would be important that you are consecrated even for that purpose. And your consecration derives from your consecration to God. It's almost like somebody who's just gotten born again and you're, you're, you're working out 
your relationship with God, and you just want to be for him and for him only. And, and it's, during, it's that during this period that you, you remember all of the attachments you had that you may have to cut off, things that would not go well for your relationship with your, with your future partner. And, and you, you, you consecrate yourself to God and for, and for one another. Somebody said that this is a time for setting the bar. He said, the definition of a thief is someone who steals, not someone who knows how to steal. So a spiritual person is someone who has indeed refined himself and is devoted to the ideals and practices of the word of God, not somebody who aspires to. So um, in, in, in the time of engagement, it allows you to focus on your faith and what God wants you to be as a husband and what, what, who God wants you to be as a wife. What are the requirements? What, how does God see you operating? And you set yourself apart because God has chosen, the time has arrived where God is now leading you to that next stage of your, of your life where you, you're going to be sharing it with your future partner and you want to do it as unto the word of God. This is the time when God will prepare your heart to cleave to God so that you can cleave closer to each other. You know, you know the closer you get to God, the closer you get to your future spouse. And that's why that, that time is a time of real consecration. You know, and as you refresh your commitment to lead a, a spiritual life that is built on the solid foundation of the word of God, you find that you would be able to establish your home on, on, the, on the principles and the values of the word of God, and which would give you inner peace and give you satisfaction. So it, it, is, it is also a transitional stage because you're not, you're not single and yet you're not married. It's a kind of in-between in state. And, and so it's a time where you, you, you re-evaluate who you are and, and you, you, you then line yourself up with what God wants you to be. Uh, the whole issue of sexual purity comes in, but I'm going to be treating it under the implications of engagement. So what are the implications of engagement? There are three things that I've I, I identified. There's a change of perspective, because henceforth, you're no longer going to be thinking for you and yourself alone. You're going to be thinking for two. There's two, the adaptation to new ways and the whole issue of faithfulness. You know, um, the, the implication is that now that you're engaged, this is a time that you would now have to be thinking. You're no longer thinking about yourself. I remember uh, some of my single friends, you know, uh, when, 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 you know, anything happens, they need to go out and, you know, they just go. They're not thinking about it, you know, and they always say, oh, you have to call your husband, you have to check that your husband is okay with it, I know, but they just go, they just up and go, have an idea, and then they just go with it. But now that you're engaged, you know, and, and you know you're going to get, be getting married, you have to be thinking that I cannot just up and go. There's somebody else to whom I've made a commitment, and I need their agreement with what I'm doing. You think for two. I remember counseling with a couple uh, who were going to get married, and, and, the, and the man said to me that, 
oh, he, he, he takes care of himself. He's not interested in other people. Uh, I, I was trying to tell him that, look, now that you're going to get married, you know, you must make sure that what you have, you share with your wife and that you, you, the, your family finances, you must discuss and, and determine who gets what and, and what goes, to, what goes where, where. And he was saying, oh, no, I've never been, I've had to bother about anybody and I'm only interested in me. And I said, oh, no, it doesn't work like that. You're going to be, have to be interested in her because you're going into a commitment where you're going to, you're going to be pledging to look after your wife. And therefore, you know, so there's a change of perspective. You're going to be thinking and functioning as two, because the two are to be one, and you're supposed to be doing things together. The, the, the second thing is the, the adaptation to new ways. You know, uh, I remember a story that Lyndon Bowring told many years ago when he did a film for us to use with uh, engaged couples. And he said that uh, he, he came from a Welsh background where men were really macho and uh, the, with the women did all the work in the kitchen and you know, did all the housework, did all the cooking uh, and so on. Whereas his wife came from a middle class English family and uh, so uh, when, when, when dinner is served and everybody's eaten, you know, the, the mother of the house would cook quite all right but when everything is, everybody's eaten, the, the, men, the, the men would go and do the washing up so that the, the wife could relax. And... Um, but so when they got married, he thought that his wife would understand that he's, he's Welsh, you know, men, men don't, don't, don't do the washing up, you know. And, and that, that was quite a, a source of uh, a conflict between the two of them. So, you know, there are, there are going to be new ways. Things are going to change. Things you didn't do before, you're going to be doing them. And things you did do before, you may have to stop doing them because you need to, to have consideration for the other party. And, you know, the, the, so you, you must be prepared to adapt because uh, the, 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 that's, that's what the Bible requires. In, in the Ephesians passage, which is Ephesians chapter 5 from 21 to 31, the Bible asked the, the, the man to love the wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so which means that there is nothing that is too, too big that a man cannot give to his wife. Nothing, you know, even up to his life, because that's what Christ gave to his church. And then a woman is required to submit to her husband in all things. And, and that means, you know, that whatever, whatever may be her rationale, if her husband doesn't see the point, because very often men don't get it, and, and, and if he still doesn't get it, and if he says this is the way to go, you are required as, as an honor to God to submit to your own husband. Not to all men, but to your own husband. <laughs> That's okay, isn't it? So, so, the, so the, the, there, is, there is a lot of adaptation that would, would take place. And the, this is the time that as you go through readings in the scripture, as you go through counseling, things are going to be dropped in your heart and you're going to be thinking, Oh, oh, wow, really, you know. And then, you, then as, you, as, you, as you submit yourself to the word of God, the, verse 21 of that passage says, submit yourselves one to another as an honor to the Lord. So there, there is mutual submission, but if there is an, 
uh, a, 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 a final word that has to be given, if, if a decision has to be made and the two of you are not in agreement, then it's the husband who makes the final decision because it's from him that God is going to give, ask an account. And a woman is supposed to submit to her husband in the same way that the church is submitted to Christ. You know, that analogy I mentioned at the introduction. And then, finally, the implication is faithfulness. Faithfulness is required. So, during the time of engagement, uh, of course, it means that having been chosen, having been set apart, having been taken out of the shelf, you know, you are now, you know, uh, 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 devoted to the one person. Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I'll betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I'll, be, I'll betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. This is the Lord speaking to Israel. And, you know, it's the same thing, because the, the, the imagery here is the imagery of, of the of context of getting engaged to a woman. And it's, it's, it really points out that whole aspect of faithfulness and, and, um, and, and, and being righteous and be doing the right thing. There are very many scriptures in the Old Testament that talks about a, 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 a woman that's been betrothed, a woman that's been engaged. You know, nobody is allowed to touch her, not even her future husband, you know, because the, the marriage, the marriage uh, ordinance itself, it's a holy, it's a, that's why it's called holy matrimony. It is something of the Lord. It's the Lord that, is, that inspired it. Marriage itself is not the idea of man. It's God's idea. And therefore, we cannot do it as we consider it right for us to do. We have to do it the way God ordained it to be. So a husband, a, a, a man and a woman who are engaged they would respect and reserve each, each for, for the other uh, and respect each other sufficiently to wait until the, until the wedding day before they engage in sexual uh, uh, relationship. And, and in fact, not, not just that, but that they, they should try and, 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 and not live, they should not live together, not try, they shouldn't live together, you know, because... What I say, what I say to couples is that when, when you live together before you're married, you you would you would, uh, um, you would you would suffer from what Alvin Toffler called future shock. Because you see, you would encounter problems that you're not supposed to encounter now, which you're supposed to encounter later when you're already married, and you would not have the necessary implements for, for resolving the problem. And so it's, it's bad when you're, when you're engaged. The fact you're engaged, it is true. You have, you have already committed yourself to each other. You've exchanged rings, your families, no, and everything. But you're not yet married. So you should have respect for the person that, that you, you're, 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 you're going to marry and, and really separate sexually as well, because this is what the Lord wants. And even if you have had flings before, if you've, um, if you've indulged in, in sexual uh, practices before you got married, the minute you got engaged, that is the time to set your part, yourself apart. I remember a call many years ago talking about recovering the glory of your virginity. 
by re-consecrating yourself to the Lord. It may be true that, you know, what has happened physically has happened, but you can re-consecrate yourself to God and say, okay, I, I just want to be the, the, the way the Bible talks about the church being, um, being brought before God, uh, uh, chased without any, any wrinkle or any such thing. I want to be like that for my husband, or, uh, uh, and I want my wife also to, to, to really enjoy me uh, be chased before getting married. So it's creating a temporary distance and which eventually would lead you to unparalleled closeness because you, you're respecting not just your fiancé, but you're also respecting the word of the Lord by not engaging in sexual relationship before. And uh, that, that this, this would really uh, uh, glorify God and, 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 and show how much you respect your, uh, your fiancé. So um, let me say that the engagement is not without cost. Um, normally, in many cultures, that you find the exchange of gifts. Uh, and, uh, and if you happen to be an Indian, then, uh, then of course, it's the family of the bride that, that supplies a dowry. So maybe that's what the, the men should be praying for. <laughs> but... <laughs> If you're an African, then uh, be ready to pay a lot of money pay and pay a lot of uh, costs. It's, it's, not, it's not for nothing. And you see that in biblical times, David, David quoted how much he had paid. He had paid with 104 skins of Philistines to get Michael. So it's, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it shows that getting a wife is not, it's not a cheap affair. It's, 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 a very, very, it's a very, very important matter. You don't need to be taken lightly. And, and I would say that it's, it's, it's something to be valued um, and it's something to, to cherish and to honor as before God because the marriage vows that we're taking eventually, they are taken as before God and, and therefore we do not uh, take the name of the Lord in vain. We, we, we just want to honor him in everything that we do. The Bible says that in all that we do, in word and in deed, that we do it as unto the Lord. And therefore, uh, I, the, the, all that is left for me to say, really, at this point, is I, want, I really want to challenge everyone here because I, I am a firm believer that, that God's plan is for uh, everyone to get, get married. Um, and I know that there is a gift of celibacy, but it's a very rare gift. And in the whole of the Bible, I think there is only one that we suspect, because there's no firm proof. There's only one that we suspect had the gift of celibacy, and that was Paul. Uh, but there's no, no, no firm proof that he was. And therefore, so I, that's why I say it's a very rare gift. But if God has given you the gift of celibacy, he would keep you. He, he will protect you. You would not fall into sexual immorality. But, but for the rest of us, I believe that God has given us the gift of marriage. And, and that being the case, it's important that, you know, that you just get on with it. That, that's, you know, that's my message, you know, especially to the men. 
Because it's a man who finds a wife. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So I would just say, men, get on with it. And, and you know, just, just go, go find the wife that God is giving you and receive that crown of glory that God means for you. And, and let the joy of the Lord fill you because there is a destiny, there is a purpose. The Bible talks in First Peter chapter 3 that, you know, that God has called men to inherit the grace of life with their wives. And therefore, there is a grace, there, 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 there is a joy that is waiting for you when you join with your future partner. There is a destiny that the two of you must walk together. And therefore, it is important that you get into, you, you enter in into that stage. And also, are there, are there any engaged couples here? Yes? Oh, amen. Bless God. You know, the engaged couples, I would say, you know, this word is for you today. You know, go, go, go and put that into practice. Really prepare, prepare yourselves and, and really put, put, so hold yourself apart uh, and, and for each other until that day. Let's just stand and just bless the Lord for his word. And, and you may be here today and you're not, you're, you're not married yet and you do want to get married. This is the time for you to, to thank the Lord that he has made provision. Because you know, our God is a good God. And, and he has made provision for you. There is a man for you and there is a woman for you. So I want you to just lift your voices up to God and thank God for that person that God has chosen for over your life. For you to, to partner with you, to share your life with you. Go on, just, just praise the Lord for that. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that you're such a good God. You're a loving Father. You, you have a man for every woman in this house, and you have a woman for every man in this house. And your choice is good, oh God, because you're a good God. You're a loving Father. Father, we want to thank you. We thank you for those ones that you've chosen for each of these people that are here. Lord, in Jesus' name, we, we bless you. We bless you for everyone. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And, and if you have not been found as a woman or as a man, let, let me pray for the women first. You haven't been found yet. A man hasn't come to, to find you. Just, let's just pray now. I'm just going to ask that God's grace will just fill you and that and he'll fill you with expectancy so that that man that God has called to be your wife would come and find him. You know, the, the Bible says that, you know, that faith calls those things that be not as though they were. I want you to call forth the man that God has chosen for you and, and call forth that the man would, would, would embrace the, the glory of God and come forth and come and find you. Let's pray now. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the men that you've chosen for the women of this house. And wherever they may be, oh God, I pray, Lord God, for a holy disquiet, Lord God, that they would go and find the women that you have chosen for them. Lord God, that they will receive the crown that you have reserved for them, that they will receive the joy that you have reserved for them. In the name of Jesus, I ask for boldness, oh God. I ask for courage. I ask, oh God, that you fill them with a sense of peace and a sense of purpose so that they will do that which you have called them to. In the name of Jesus. And I want to pray for the men as well. I want to pray that God would open your eyes and show you the woman he's chosen for you and, and that the, the Lord would, would quicken your spirit and give you the divine appointment and divine opportunity and, and, and give you the courage to go and, and just do what you must do. 
Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for the men of this house who are not married and who are waiting for to, to, to go pop the question. Lord, in Jesus' name, I speak boldness. I speak courage into their lives. I speak a, a quickening of the spirit. I speak a, a revelation of your spirit into them, oh God. And I ask, oh God, that you lead them to the women that you have chosen for them and that they would together inherit the grace of life, that your name may be glorified. Father, we thank you. Let's just pray for sexual purity, even within our church. Let's, let's pray that the, our church will be a place where the marriage vows are honored and, and where men and women that are not married would not engage in any sexual activity. That, that God would, would, would really cause each person to set themselves apart for God because God's name is holy. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, for your word, which is life, which is spirit, and the life that has brought us this afternoon. I pray, Father God, for, for every single man, every single woman in this house, Lord God, that you would cause each person to walk in sexual purity, to honor you, to honor your word, oh God, so that you will be pleased to walk among us in the name of Jesus. I pray for every married couple, Lord God, that you cause them to honor their marriage vows, and they, and they would respect their, their spouses in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you because you are able to do more than we can ask. Father, we bless you. And Father, we just thank you because you're a good God. You're a loving Father. And there may be people here who have lost hope. But you're the God of hope. You're the God who gives hope. Lord God, I ask that you, you renew the hope in the, in the hearts of your children. That you, you revitalize them. You re-energize them. You fill them with the joy of, of knowing you. The joy of their salvation. And I ask, oh God, that you quicken the work of bringing together couples that that this place will rejoice once more with the sound of bridegrooms, with the sound of brides. I speak it into being. I command that be marriages in this church in the name of Jesus, that the name of our Lord and Savior may be glorified. Thank you, O oh God, because you are able to do more than we can ask. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a, a shout of praise.